Prove it, peeps. Welcome to a new year, a new you, a new podcast episode, and a whole new month, all with brand new content. This is the month of January. We are focusing on the theme of magnetic cultures. And I just want you to know that this month's lineup of guests is so incredible. We are channeling a lot of the information that is coming out of my new book, I See You, A Leader's Guide to Energizing Your Team Through Radical Empathy. And part three of the book is all about magnetic cultures. So it actually has three parts, self-love plus selfless leadership equals a magnetic culture. That is the overarching message throughout the book. And this month we are diving deep into magnetic cultures, what it means to be magnetic, how you can do that and implement it into your life. So, and if you haven't gotten a pre-order of the book, we are officially an Amazon bestseller from pre-orders. Please get your copy on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, whatever retailer you prefer. But I want you to just do a quick homework item for me. If you missed last week's episode, episode 218, Craving Routine, Habits You'll Actually Stick To, and just know it's only four easy steps, make sure you check it out as it's the last one on our series of conversations all about selfless leadership. And now moving into this month about magnetic cultures, I am going to just use this pun. I am drawn. I am attracted. I am magnetized to today's guest, Raw Goddess. Raw is a dream interview for me. This is a pinch me moment, my friends. And I cannot wait to dive into today's episode with you. Let me tell you about Raw Goddess. Raw Goddess is the sole coach behind hundreds of breakthrough change makers, cultural visionaries, and social entrepreneurs. As the founder and CEO of Move the Crowd and co-founder of Information, Raw's unique methodology has empowered a new generation of conscious entrepreneurs and leaders to Stay true, get paid, and do good. From the onset of her more than 30-year career as a cultural innovator, social impact strategist, and creative change agent, Raw has drawn on the power of creativity, culture, and community to move hearts, minds, and policy. Raw's work has focused on issues of racial justice and equality, leadership, electoral politics, offender aid and restoration, mental health and youth and women's empowerment, and contributed to initiatives that have impacted millions of lives. Raw's best-selling book, The Calling, Three Fundamental Shifts to Stay True, Get Paid, and Do Good, published in January of 2020 by St. Martin's Press, leverages her unique methodology into a step-by-step blueprint for finding your purpose and making your most profitable contribution. Y'all, this interview is incredible. Let's get to improving it with the one, the only, Raw Goddess. Welcome to the show. Literally a guiding light, one of the most amazing humans walking planet Earth at art in this generation, Raw 
Gonis. Welcome to the Improve It Podcast. Thank you so much, Erin, for having me. It's my joy to be here. You are just divine. You can feel how divine you are just through the internet. Like I'm literally looking at you and just, just your, your aura and your presence is so beautiful. So I want to start off. This is the first show of 2024 the first show in the new year. We are talking all about magnetic culture this month. And I want to hear from you, what would be an intention that we could set for our time together today that you want to set for yourself or just even for our audience? What's an intention you want to set? It could be one word or a couple words. Yeah, I believe that 2024 is all about being present. And recognizing the power that lives in our attention and the quality of attention we pay to ourselves and each other. And so, you know, my intention for 2024 is to be present, 100% present in our community at Move the Crowd will be working with and studying this theme as our community of practice this year. Um, because I think that's where the revolution is. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. I actually carry a bracelet on my wrist that says be here now as that reminder, because it's so easy in today's day and age to not be. And I think what's so beautiful and how you've created this dynamic community of light workers and people leaders yourself is by being present. Would you say that that has something to do with your success? I mean, I'm humbled, you know, yes, like I yes. always say this to you, Aaron, like I'm humbled. I don't take these things for granted, but, um, but it has become more and more of a commitment for me. The older I get, the more I learn, the more I experience, the more I have the privilege to interact with thousands and thousands of people, the more I'm convinced that the greatest gift that we can give each other is to be here now. And it's so like I have chills because literally our message for 2024 is be here now. Literally. That is absolutely the message. Oh. I mean, so, you know, so this is all, oh. we can already see, Erin. The tears are right. I'm like, why the way the serendipity works. so much with you already? I'm like, I looked at you and I was like, raw, <laughs> You are, you know, and I know you say you're humbled, but I generally, when, genuinely, I should say, when I, I've followed you for a long time. And I, again, I know a lot of leaders who have worked with you and you just have this ability to really make people feel like they're the only person in the room. I think that's what I notice about the way you coach and what I've seen from just who I know of you online is that ability to make people feel seen just through your presence is magnetic, which is what draws people to you. So when we talk about magnetic cultures, what is What's the word magnetic mean to you? Hmm. This is again, Erin, this is so beautiful because it is also one of my practice words for this quarter, right? Is magnetic. And I and I believe it means to be radiant and to be receptive. And I think it is both sides, right? Because 
when we want to magnetize something, you know, if we think about the quality of our organizations and we think about wanting to create an incredible culture, it has everything to do with what we're putting out because it's all about vibration, right? You know, as my California peeps would say, it's all about your vibe. That's right. All about your energy, right? (laughs) Right. And, you know, it's so important to consider what we want to radiate. And, and for me, I think having been someone who has been in spaces in various stages of my life where I haven't felt as welcome or I haven't felt a sense of openness or I haven't felt seen. And I think every single one of us has had some experience. You know, if you live long enough, if you do enough, if you find yourself in enough spaces and places, there's going to come a time where maybe somebody doesn't see you. And then you have the experience where someone fully sees you. And again, if we're lucky enough, right, if we live long enough, if we find the right places and spaces. And in my belief, that is, that is again, the greatest gift is that you can see someone. So the, for me, the radiant part of it is about, is about sharing the love, is about sharing the light, is about sharing that sense of welcome that sense of openness, that sense of genuine curiosity and authenticity. And then the receptive part is about really receiving the other person, right? What you're putting out and then receiving how the other person is receiving what you're putting out and then also what the other person is radiating and putting forth and that there is real magic in our ability to connect. So I think magnetic cultures are about connection. They're about welcome. I love this so much because when you talk, I can feel the conviction behind it. And you know that through the the proof is in your pudding, like you have done this, you have created magnetic leaders through your coaching and through your books. And I want to start with, raw in the beginning. How, how did you get to this place? I know there's a, you know, we could take hours of time to talk through, but if you had to sum it up in the Cliff's Notes version, how did Raw Goddess become Raw Goddess and find her calling so she could help other people do the same? Yeah. I, I always say this, Erin, like I came to this work kicking and screaming, literally. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the universe had to hem me up by my collar <laughs> before I would say, you know, yes, I'm willing to do this. I'm willing to lean in. I'm willing to figure it out because at the time that my purpose and calling was shown to me and the way it was shown to me, I didn't have words for what it was. And I feel that there are a lot of people out there that have the feeling. They have the elements, they have the pieces, they have the energy, but maybe because they don't feel like they can put the perfect words to it, they shy away, right? And so I think my lesson of reluctance, my lesson around being a reluctant leader, around being a reluctant uh, everything, enables me to cultivate a sense of compassion for all of the people who I know are standing at the precipice of 
their real life, looking over the edge, wondering what day or what hour or what moment they're going to leap, right? Oh, my gosh. You took me through a metaphor. I almost wanted to go down, but I'm not going to do it because it's almost like, actually, I'm going there. I'm going there. It's like you're standing at a cliff waiting for the for the reason to jump. And then once you jump, it all makes sense. And I think I, I know many people who have worked with you and I know the power of your work. And is there... Is there any specific instance like that you were kicking and screaming that made you take that leap and find your next calling? Like, was was there a specific moment where you were like, this is it? Yes, I've had I've had many, many, many moments where I'm going to say to you, divine intervention has shown up in the midst of peril um, and and saved my little you know what. Yep, uh-huh. <laughs> yep, yep. And um. You know, a few years ago, I started sharing about the fact that I was shot at at point blank range and had this incidence where, you know, um, this person was firing and the bullets were definitely leaving the chamber of the gun, but they were, for whatever reason, not penetrating me. And I had literally the shield of energy that kind of came down in between me and this individual. And, um, and that was the first moment where I was like, okay, I'm surrendering God. I got it. Like, okay, don't know where the bullets went, but I got the message. Right. I would say I've had another moment many, many years later where my health and, you know, we, we know the story you all where we face a health challenge or we face a death in our family, or we face some kind of traumatic moment where we start to go, wait, why am I here? Like, what are we doing? Like, what is this about? And in the second moment, I remember being in the machine where you get the MRI. And, you know, they had been doing a number of tests on me and, you know, to sort of try to discern what was going on and the magnitude of what was happening. And I remember feeling the vulnerability of my mortality, which I will say to you, anyone who's ever been in a hospital, a hospital bed or in a situation where, you know, they are really dependent upon the care of others. Those are humbling moments. Those are reckoning moments. And I remember asking spirit, like, you know, if this was the end for me, or if this was the beginning of me sort of facing my mortality, had I done everything that I said I was going to do? Like, could I really rest in peace? And what came back to me was, you have done what I've called you to do, but there is so much more if you're willing to go 10 times. If you're willing to give up, fear and really take the risk. And I think, you know, we live in a very risk averse culture, (laughs) right? We are all looking, all of us are looking for security blankets and exit plans and all the things. And, um, and so I know I'm talking dirty when I say it, but 
Um, but what it opened up in me was this recognition that the ceiling really is limitless. If I'm willing to keep s- stepping forward, you know, like it's like, okay, I have nothing to really lose if I'm willing to keep stepping forward. And again, I know that that's a provocative statement because so many people feel like they have everything to lose, you know, and whether it's true or not true, the feeling of that is very real. And so much of what I feel like I'm here to do, Aaron, humbly and in these reckoning moments, like every time, you know, sort of spirit pushes me further and challenges me more and moves me higher. um, It's about helping people release their hold on what they think is their reality. Oh, so good. And that voice that told you if you can go 10 times harder. Have you listened to that voice? Are you listening? And that is where you are today? Yeah. And and it's interesting because I would say, you know, even in the going harder, right? Because if I think about our kind of indoctrination with work, that can insinuate grind. And what spirit was really saying was 10 times more trust. Ah, 10 times more. Do you know what I mean? Like another boulder, right? Can yes. you trust more? Yeah. Can you dream bigger? I love it. Can you aim higher? I think you're doing it. I think you're doing the outside looking in, you're doing it. So keep going. And I love that you listened to that voice because I think a lot of times, and this goes into your book, The Calling, people don't they hear the voice, but they may not listen. And they think this this isn't my highest self talking to me or my inner guide. This is just a thought that I had. But truly, when you get still and listen to that inner voice, it could guide you to your calling. And you, this is what I really wanted to get into was you have a six step framework that you use to help people find their calling. Can we high level go through them? Because I think people who press play today, they want that answer. And I want them to walk away knowing that you are living proof that you listened to that call. And now you've got the guidebook and the framework to help them do the same. So let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go. Okay. So the first step is awareness. The first step is awareness. Step one. And I always say, you, you don't, you can't do anything until you can see. So our ability to start to pay attention. And for most people, Erin, it begins with how they're feeling, right? Because again, you know, we're moving, we've got lots of things coming at us in any given day, lots of things going through our mind. Being present is hard often because there's so much moving, um, And so the beginning is to start to observe and start to ask yourself some real questions like, how am I feeling? Yeah. About this, this or that. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Where is it at? You know, do I feel invigorated or enlivened or do I feel drained or do I feel excited or do I feel uh, resigned? Right. Or resentful. And so that first moment of really checking in is what begins you in sort of moving from the place of what I call 
victim to vision, right? And, and this idea of victim is, is more about living by default, right? In other words, everybody else is making the decisions. Whereas in the world of, or in the realm of vision, you're making the decisions, you're making the choice and you're in a co-creative experience. Step two, once we see, then we get to choose. Like, okay, now that I know what's going down, now that I've become aware of what's happening, I recognize that there's an impact on my life, on my reality, on my relationships, on my world, right? Do I want to keep choosing this or do I potentially want to go somewhere else? So first we accept by telling the truth about what's happening and the degree to which it's working or not working for us. And that is where we then have that choice point, right? I will say to you, this is the place where a lot of people get stuck because either we see something we don't like, we turn the other way, or we see something we don't like and we start to beat up on ourselves, which creates more regret. Yes. yes. Right. Which sort of almost entrenches us further. So step three is forgiveness. And this is really about putting the past in the past. No, like really. Like really, past. right. <laughs> yes. Do you think this is the step that people get hung up on the most? Or would you say it's the the choice step two? What step is out of the these first three do they get hung I think up on? it's I think it's the step step two is where they get and I'll tell you why I, my experience is they get stuck and they don't so we'll talk about step three in a minute because I promise okay. you step three is dicey as well, right? But yes. step two is about being willing to actively choose, am I going to keep this thing or am I going to trade it up for something greater or something better? And what my experience often happens for people is they're holding on to the thing and they don't realize that they've chosen to hold on to the thing. Right. They just think it's like a permanent fixture in their reality and they have no say in the matter, no choice in the matter. It's just kind of like, this is just how it is. So when we get to the point of, to, you know, to your point, like when people want to start to beat themselves up, it's like, can they invite in forgiveness? That is what enables them to then kind of like, okay, I want to choose something different. And part of what enables me to choose something different is being willing to let go of the past, let go yes. of my justifications, let go of my reasons, let go of every mistake I think I've made that, you know, how could you, right? And and we all know, again, not saying anything that's necessarily new here, but we are the hardest to forgive right? ourselves, you know, um, because we always believe that we should have seen it coming. We should have yes. known better. Yes. Um, Can you give us a tip? Can I ask you one more question about step three? Because I think this is so important because a lot of anxiety and a lot of the the past and the future of anxiety is really just caught up in this unforgiveness of ourselves and this self-loathing. So do you have a tangible practice that you use to forgive yourself that you could share with people that's easy? Yeah. As a matter of fact, in the book, there is a four-step ritual that I use and that I walk my beloved leaders through that is all about forgiveness, you know? And the first thing is our ability to sort of remember who we are 
And I say that because when traumatic things happen or difficult things happen, hard things happen, there's a way in which we turn away from yeah. ourselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. There is a yeah. loss of power. There's a loss of wholeness in what goes down. And the first step is to come back to the truth of who we are. And the truth of who we are is that we are incredible. Have we made mistakes? Absolutely. Right. Have we, you know, have there been things that we've done? We wish we could have done better. Sure. Okay. Yeah. But I think the degree to which we hold ourselves hostage or we hold ourselves prisoners to this lack of perfection, um, is, is those, is a place where that rubber meets the road. So the step one is like, how do I come back to myself? How do I recognize and remember who I am? Because somewhere along this way, I forgot and I began making choices that were consistent with someone that was not who I am, right? Or something that was not who I am or consistent with who I am, right? So that's that first step. The second step is the actual like completion, the releasing part. And here's what I'll say about this one, because to your point where people get stuck is that I give people the scale of one to 10, (laughs) right? So you might do the completion part. You might go through that a few times. You might walk around that one, around that block a couple of times because the letting go can be hard. Yeah. You know, and so... You know, when I have a hard time letting go of something, I really have to sit and ask myself, what, what is it about this thing that makes me afraid to release it? And for some of us, it's been leverage. Let's just, let's just go here. It's been, maybe it's something we've held over our own heads or over somebody else's head or um, it's a way in which we've felt right. Or, you know, when we've been hurt, we want to see justice happen. Yeah. And if justice hasn't happened, we'll hold on, you know, so there are all these sort of conversations. And part of what I teach my leaders is that letting go doesn't have to be conditional upon all these things. Like, you can let go and still sue somebody if that's what you need to do. Yeah. You can let go and still take the necessary steps that are rooted in accountability. What we're releasing when we get to this part of completion is we're releasing the grip, the way in which it keeps us emotionally in bondage. Yes. That is what we're releasing is the energetic tie yes. of whatever that situation or circumstance is, right? Yes. I may have to have that conversation with myself three or four times. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> right? On a, on a scale of one to 10, okay, today is a two. Yep. On a scale of, and I think there's also relief in understanding that you may not get it all in the first try. Yeah. Yeah. Because I also want to say, and you know this, Aaron, sometimes we go through a process of change or a process of transformation and, you know, we're beating ourselves up. You know, we're the transformation police now. Like, Uh well, how come you didn't get it on the first try? Right. (laughs) Right. Why aren't you over it already? Damn it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I think this is where the self-love and self-compassion become incredibly important. The next step in the ritual process after you release it is that you begin to have space open up so that you can then go, okay, 
So now that I'm letting that go, I've learned that lesson. I've had that experience. I'm done with that. I'm truly, truly putting that back where it belongs in the past. I now have this new space that's opening up. And the degree to which I can release is the degree to which I have room for what's new. And the inspiration for letting go is the desire to want to have more room and space for what's new. So in the conversation of liberation, right, which is step three, it's like, oh, okay, I'm now creating space. What do I want to have? Yeah. Right. I've been holding on to that. I'm willing to let that go. What do I want to hold in its place? Or what do I want to invite in in its place? I love, I love that. I love that. Keep going. This is fantastic. And then the final step is is the step of self-love, self-acknowledgement, self-appreciation. That you gave yourself permission to move something really big out of the way. Yeah. That you have gained, you know, you're older and wiser as a result of the experience. And now you get to offer all that wisdom back into the world and whatever you're doing and however you're showing up personally, professionally. And that you made it to the other side. That's right. That is right. And you you learn, like, that's almost a homecoming to yourself, is what I would call that. Yes. Right? That is exactly what it is. And you that is exactly what it is. You probably do this a hundred times in your life for a hundred different scenarios. I 100%. love it. 100%. It is, it is the full circle of remembering. It is the reunion piece. Yes. Like, oh, right. Oh, oh right. Right. Okay, so let's six steps. Okay, right. I know I, I digressed us here just a bit, but we take awareness number one, number two, awareness, acceptance, number three, forgiveness. Yes. Okay. Number, number four, new vision, like reimagining, re envisioning recreating. And again, it's very kindred to this liberation step in the four-step ritual in the sense of, okay, if I know and I'm clear that I've released and I'm done with that, what do I want to have? Who do I want to be? What do I want to create? And in this particular step of the protocol, we actually create a new belief, right? Because I believe, and I say this all the time, pluck a weed, you got to plant a flower. Yes. So that the weed doesn't grow back. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. I right? love that. I love that. God, that's good. The soil of your mind is fertile. Yes. And what you plant in it will grow. So whatever you plant in, yep. just knowing that's what's going to grow. That's right. And so you get to decide what you want to grow. So what is the new belief? What is the new conversation? What is the new opportunity that you now want to begin to engage and work with as you move forward, right, in transforming whatever is not working for you? So the new belief, and again, there's a whole process I take you through for crafting a new belief, and then we get to step five, and step five is what I call aligned right action, which is that we put the new belief on the court, right? Meaning that every time we have an opportunity to engage, every time we have a a place where we get to choose, we can choose from the now that we want to create, or we can choose from the past that we want to perpetuate. And we get to decide, right? Or the past maybe that we don't want to perpetuate, but every, at every choice point, we get to make a new decision that aligns with the new belief. 
right? So if the new belief is that I am absolutely capable of this new job, this new position, right? Maybe yes. my organizational leaders out there, you've gotten a new role or your responsibility has expanded and, um, and it feels daunting and arduous and, but you want it and you feel like you can bring something to it that you want to offer. So the new belief is okay, step by step, I'm getting more and more right clear about right. what I want to bring or what I want to have or what I want to create. And then your actions aligning with that. Like, oh yeah. Okay. So now if that's what I want, what is the action? What is the practice? And we talk about vital actions and vital practices that continue to deepen the commitment to the new conversation, the new belief. And the belief, I want to also like demystify this conversation about belief. Belief is simply a decision you've made. Yeah. That you keep telling yourself is true over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again. But you're choosing whatever decision that is. So you get to change the decision if the decision doesn't serve you. So this new belief is about making a new decision. Oh, my new decision is actually I am capable. My new decision is actually I am worthy. My new decision is actually that I can't afford not to take advantage of these opportunities that enable me to grow. And then finally, step six is celebration. Now, some of us are great at celebration, like great at, and some of us we know are not. You know, it's like we can, we achieve something, complete something, and we're like on to the next thing. In this final step, we honor ourselves. We honor our effort. We recognize that any progress is progress. And we allow our opportunity to see our efforts and celebrate to motivate us to continue to take the steps that are consistent with the reality that we want to create. Oh, my God. You are so insightful and so I love the framework. I love that it's tangible. I love that it can be put to use, that it's a six-step framework, that it ends with celebrating yourself and the win because I can speak for myself and I know leaders listening to this can relate. This culture that we live in is so fast-paced that when we set one goal and achieve it, we're right on to the next thing. And I love that you included the celebration as part of that framework because I as my, I burned myself out by not celebrating my wins. And, and, and if you don't celebrate, you can. You can burn yourself out because you just want more and more and more. And it goes back to your intention of being present. When you're actually present, you can feel all of those steps so immensely and so deeply, and they all make so much sense the, the way that you have sequenced them out. I want to ask you, what do you do to celebrate you, Rob? What have you done to celebrate who you are and some of your frameworks for finding your calling? I so appreciate this question, and I particularly, Erin, appreciate this question with you because I will say that I am learning how to play. Yes. You know, I, you know, everything, you know, (laughs) when, you know, if I look at my longstanding overachieving workaholic history, (laughs) you know, everything has had to, had to like, you know, well, well, what's the, what's the, what's the use of it? What's the purpose of it? What's the, you know, and and the purpose always had to be either professional or it had to be, you know, rooted in um, someone depending on me or, you know, and so I laugh more. I dance more. Oh. I would say to you, dance is a big part of 
the way I celebrate now, I really make time for friends. Yes. Uh, I have date night with my husband where we have an agreement that we're not going to talk about work, oh, which is huge. So good. So good. I'm using that tomorrow night on my date. Because you all so know, good. listen, sometimes we spend time with our friends and our loved ones and we're still talking about work. Yes. And I love, listen, I love my work. And I also have a life that yes. my work supports and I, you know, and I have a life that supports my work and, and I need to have a healthy relationship with that. And I think, you know, this is your kind of leading me into what the next book is, but this is where I'm going because I think for so many of us, the next frontier is going to be reimagining our relationship to work oh. and how we work. Yes. When, when is that happening, Rob? When are we getting that? Like, when, when can we <laughs> so, do that? That's I would say probably spring spring 2025. I'm in the throes of it, you all. Oh, Literally in the midst of, of the manuscript. Thank you. But it's it's all about this reset on ambition and this way in which we are now, you know, as we emerge out of what has been an incredibly difficult and humanizing last three and a half years. How are we now thinking about our, our life and our success differently? And at the center and the core of that is the nature and the quality of our work, right? And that's not only what we're working on, but the way in which we're working, you know, and, and, and the opportunity to renegotiate that, to reimagine that, to recreate that. I just want to talk to you all day. I feel like I'm a very, I'm high energy, but you have this like, calming energy. I just feel like I'm at the spa and I've just been like given the, I've, I've had like a Ted talk at the spa is what it feels like because you are just so lovely. And I'm so excited for you to share this new book with the world. And the calling is available anywhere you get books, right? So make sure if you're listening to, if you have not read this book, it is so magical. Okay, I have one final question for you. And I could talk to you literally forever. But this is something we ask all of our guests. So we say at Improve It, the it is your purpose, your calling, if you will, your thing that you were put on this earth here to do. So Raw Goddess, what is your it? Mm. So I believe that I am really here to help people unleash their most authentic selves in service to their greatest contributions. And my opportunity is to make that accessible, make that available, make that possible, and ultimately inevitable. That is my work. Okay. Full body chills. Also, like you're living out that it, and it is so beautiful. I'm so grateful you came on this show and I want anyone who is listening, who doesn't follow raw goddess, doesn't know where to find you, tell them where they could find you. So I am on all of the platforms at raw goddess or backslash raw goddess. <laughs> and that's R H A goddess. And, um, and yes, please come say hello. If you've got questions for me and then Aaron, I just want to thank you so much for your incredible work. Like, you know, we only get to have the opportunity to touch amazing people like the ones you serve because you've created a sacred space to be able to have these important conversations 
um, especially at a time right now where I just feel like any of us who are navigating all of the professional and personal challenges that come with this time of year, right? Um, you know, we need you. So I just want to thank you. I want to thank you so much for who you are and all that you do. I received that and truly I'm going to fall down and I'm going to die now. Cause that is literally the thing that I needed to hear. I mean, literally I'm dead. Stick a fork at me. I'm done. Raw goddess just told me that. And I have to tell you, you, you are an inspiration again to so many people. So keep doing this work. We need your work. And I'm thrilled to be a light worker in your corner. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Erin. Improve it, peeps. She is such a breath of fresh air. So make sure you follow Raw on all the social channels. Make sure you get her book, The Calling. It's incredible. She's incredible. And I want to give you some tangible takeaways, as I always do. So number one, make sure you go back and listen to last week's episode. If you have not, we're talking all about craving purpose in your life and career. And I want to make, oh, that's what we're talking about this week. Just kidding. What we're talking about last week is all about craving routine. So forgive me. I misspoke, my friends, but Raw is this week's guest. And last week we talked about craving routine, habits that you'll actually stick to. Here's your homework from today's episode. I want you to truly think about your calling. What is it that brings you energy? What is that thing that lights you up? And then how can you apply this six-step framework to your life so that you can walk away living a life filled with purpose? And then here's your extra credit. After you go through this six-step framework, number six, as you remember, is all about celebration. Celebrate the wins. Celebrate the things that you have accomplished. Don't rush to the next thing. Really find time and creative ways to celebrate and to be in that moment. Just like her intention for the show, being present to your life and to others can change the trajectory and the purpose of where you go from here. I am so honored to have Raw on this show. She is a light worker. She is a guest that I have listened to on many podcasts that I admire. And to have her on this show is such a delight. So thank you, my beautiful Improve It peeps, my lovely community for giving this show legs, for supporting it, for being the guiding light, because we have a lot of work to do. We have so many light workers to talk to. We have so many people to hold and to help and to serve. And we can do that by lifting each other up. So thank you. I celebrate you. I'm going to go celebrate right now. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to celebrate the fact that I just got to interview Raw Goddess and y'all got to hear it. What a day. Celebrate and really lean into the six day. Let me speak words. I'm celebrating already. Lean into this six step framework. I'm so proud of you. And you know what I'm going to say? Keep failing. Keep improving because this world needs that very special it 
that only you can bring. I'll see you next time. Okay.